0: My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And if it's your first time, it's a joy to be able to welcome you here. Of all the churches you could have chose to come to, thanks for choosing to be a part of ours this Sunday. If you're watching at home online, welcome. Or in the balcony. We're excited that you're here, especially that family that I just met and the young man whose name I won't say publicly. We're going to talk about your name in a little bit. So I'm excited that you're here as well. Um, We're in the midst of a message entitled Losers. And before you get up and walk out, I know it's not a pick-me-upper. I get it. Um, But we're putting a little different spin. Isn't it true that as Christians, um, for those of us that have read the Bible, which is about 16% of this room or people watching online, believe it or not, from cover to cover, only about 16% of Christians actually read through the Bible? So 84% of you, a lot of this is going to be new, so I'm excited about it. So as we talk about it today, isn't it true that when we read biblical stories, what we do is is we try to make them more Christ-like than they really are? We try to basically take each of the chapters, and and when we look at them and they start getting messy, well, I'm not really understanding, so I'm going to skip over this, or I'm going to take this part. Well, I I don't get it, but I know God has a plan, and and we want to revisionist history. We want to look at all these stories, and we want to see them in a light that really doesn't exist, and that's one of the stories we're going to talk about today. Because when we talk about a guy by the name of Abraham and a lady by the name of Sarah, We think of them synonymous. We think of them as a pair, which they were. But what we do is is we like to put their stories together, but isn't it true that everyone has a story that God is writing? And Sarah is an individual that we hardly ever take a look at her specific story. We always partner that and attach that to Abraham. But Sarah has an incredible story, and she gets a bad shake, I'll just be honest. And for those of you that are Christians, when you read that story, you see a lot of mess and a lot of mistakes. And sometimes we look at Sarah and we we kind of paint her in a different light than we do Abraham. But we're going to look at her story in order to kick this off um, and start this off. I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. Um, I know you don't know that. Those of you that come to our church, you've never heard me talk about them before. But A couple of days ago, they were playing in the St. Louis Cardinals, and when I look at the Chicago Cubs, they're wearing all blue. It reminds me of the sky, God's team, heaven. And then you look at the Cardinals, and they're wearing red, and I won't tell you where they come from. But anyway... Two days ago, we, they were playing in a game, and a guy by the name of Anthony Rizzo was at bat. And if you don't know much about baseball, um, you know, you get, you get four, four balls or you get three strikes. So it's about seven total pitches of the max that you get as an at bat. Well, Anthony Rizzo stood up there, and he fouled, uh, he fouled off about 10 pitches, and he had a 14, I think 16 pitch actually at bat. He fouled off like 14 pitches. It w- they were down by one run, and on the next pitch... He turns and he hits the ball out of the park and the crowd goes crazy. Everybody goes nuts. They tied the game. It was incredible. Now, why am I telling you that story? Well, because Cubs are God's team and, and now we'll go. No, I'm just teasing. There's a reason. And my son Connor is sitting next to me as we're watching this and I am just smiling from ear to ear. I can't believe what I just saw. And my son Connor as only a 13-year-old, overconfident kid could do. He looked at me and he said, Dad, I could do that. And here's what I did. Here was my response. I just went and I went... <laughs> And that was it. You ever have one of those laughs where it's, <laughs> there's something behind that laugh, isn't there? And when he saw me, he said, what, you don't think I could do it? Like he knew that there was something behind that laugh. And what, what is behind that kind of laugh? Well, what's behind that is experience, some type of wisdom. I played ball, I coached ball. So I know how difficult it was for Anthony Rizzo to do that. My 13-year-old son has no idea how difficult in the major leagues to be able to hit those kind of pitches and actually hit one out. And so that laugh was a chuckle of, you have no idea all that I know, and if you knew, oh, my gosh, you would would be speaking something different. Well, that laugh hits us at all different moments in life, doesn't it? And it's going to hit Sarah at a point, and I'm going to call it out. And it's going to form the basis of our conversation as we really look into Sarah's life lived as a loser. For you type A personalities in the room, here's where we're going. We're going to start at the end. And we're going to kind of take a look at the end, and then we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, and then we're going to see why we got to this end point. Everybody with me? Clear as mud? Great. Here we go. Genesis chapter 18 for you Bible study students, starting in verse 10. It says this, Then one of them, and by the way, one of them are angels of the Lord. This is God speaking to Abraham. One of them said, Abraham, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from a tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And Sarah will have a baby. Son. Now I want you to picture this. Sarah's sitting in the tent. She's hearing her master, her husband. Remember back in these days, there were different rights. Women had little to no rights. They were treated as property many of the times. So Sarah's sitting in the tent. Sarah is at a ripe old age. She has never had a child. She hears God say, hey, next year, guess what? You're going to have a baby. And Sarah does the laugh. <laughs> as if God really? I mean, God now? I mean, it's impossible. But there was more to that laugh. And sometimes, if you're not a Christian, I want you to lean in. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't take the time to look into everybody's story. We don't pause for a moment and say, I wonder what it would feel like to live that life. Because what I just saw when I read that Sarah had no children, let me tell you what I saw. I saw someone who desired, especially in the culture of that day. Let me me pause. This is in my notes, but you need to understand this. In that culture, having children wasn't just for the joy of having a kid. It was procreation. It was legacy. It was, I have to have a child for an heir. Do you understand if you were here last week, you learned this, that for a woman who is barren and have no children, if her husband died, they would be destitute. So it was a lifeline for a woman to procreate. It was everything that they were there for is, I have to have a child to provide the legacy and safety for my life. So Sarah has lived a life with no children, and at any moment, if her master, her husband, perished, she would be abandoned, possibly. She would live no life. Now, what does that mean to today's age? Terry, why are you harping on this? Because I know this, one of the most difficult hidden signs of stress in our culture today is that of infertility. No one likes to talk about it. Thank God in the last 10 to 15 years, there's been more of a spotlight to it. But when I was in church at my age, having children, nobody talked about infertility. It was messy. It was gross. We don't talk about that. Everybody has kids. And if you didn't have kids, well, something's wrong with you. That's what ended up happening. And I think it's important to understand what Sarah was going through because Sarah felt like that. She was damaged, she was no good. Do you know in 2021, here's the truth on statistics of infertility, one in seven couples experience infertility. And I say that and I hope it surprises many of you, but I hope for some of you who have been struggling with it that it makes you pause and breathe a little deeply. It makes you realize, wait a minute, I am not damaged goods, wait a minute, I'm normal. This is more normal than I thought it was. But there's difficulties in infertility. Did you know that it is a major cause for divorce in our culture today? Not just finances, not just infidelity, infertility as well. This is a struggle, especially coming out of a pandemic. Do you know that 60% of couples who deal with infertility, they deal with mental health issues. And what a mental health issue is, is a day-to-day struggle. If you are struggling Mentally, What I mean by that is, is that there is something going on in your heart, something of stress and anxiety that you deal with every single day, that is considered a mental health issue. And you can imagine someone who's going through that. And Sarah, every single day, dealt with those type of mental health issues. This one is staggering. Do you know that 87% of women deal with high anxiety who are dealing with infertility? And 41% of women battle depression when they go through this. And the sad thing about it is in our culture, it's stigmatized. And so many women who struggle with this and many couples who struggle with this, they fear talking about it, of being labeled. Now, Terry, why are you going down this road? Because I just want you to begin to get a picture and an understanding and a heartbeat for who Sarah is, what Sarah's story is. Sarah wasn't just a woman following her master along. She had feelings, she had emotions, she had pain, she had hurts. And she is sitting here at the end of her life, never able to have a child, and always feeling like she never measured up. Could you imagine her at 35 years old, looking at relatives who are 15, 16, 17 years old, having children year by year by year? It was a reminder of the pain that she walked through every single day. And Sarah lived that, and it made her feel like a loser. We pick up the story and continue to learn more about her. It says this, next slide, please. It says, the Lord had said to Abram in chapter 12, verse 1. Now we're going backwards. He says this to Abraham. He says, hey, leave your native country. By the way, pause. For those of you that are new Christians, Abraham's name was once Abram, and Sarah's name was once Sarai. And so I'm going to say Abraham and Sarah just for simplicity, but just so you know, it's the same person we're talking about. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. We go all the way back to the beginning where all of a sudden God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, you and Sarah, I know Sarah hasn't been able to have children. Hey, now here's what I want you to do. I got a plan for you, Abraham. I want you to leave your native country and I want you to go. Now, here's the funny part. If you're not a Christian, lean in. Those of us that are Christians, we read that story and we go, man, wasn't Abraham amazing? Abraham had such a good relationship with God. Abraham trusted God. God said, go, and Abraham left. Isn't he awesome? Praise God for Abraham. And we never think about Sarah. How many of you have ever been in a marriage and all of a sudden a job forces a move? And you've lived in a location all of your life. You lived with your parents just minutes away. And all of a sudden, you have to pick up your whole life and you have to move it across the country and, and you will not see your parents. By the way, now we've got FaceTime. We've got Zoom. We've got so many things. We can get on a flight and we can travel. Back then, when you left your native land and your country, you left your family. I want you now to imagine Sarah. Abraham coming and "Hey Sarah, pack your bags. we got to leave. What, what? What are you talking about? This is my safety net. Think about this. Wait a second. Abraham, if we leave and you die, I'm gonna be in the middle of nowhere and I'm gonna die. This is my life. God told you we gotta leave? Are you kidding me? And many of us, we've gone through that struggle, haven't we? We almost wanna guarantee, don't we? We almost wanna say, okay, God, I'll tell you what, I will go if you can just tell me that my life is going to be better. How many of you have had a job location and all of a sudden your spouse looks at you and says, is this going to be better for us? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But isn't it true there are no guarantees? And when we take a step of faith, we almost want God to say, God, you just have to make sure it's there. You got to make sure that it's better. If you're taking notes, write this down. Strong faith offers no guarantees. Strong faith offers no guarantees. Being a Christian is not. All right, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a step of faith only if you do this, 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 and this. I have bargained with God in my past, and I have lost every single time. I will tell you that. He wins. And so strong faith offers no guarantees. There are some of us in this room right now that you're facing a decision and a battle. And you're like, Terry, I don't know whether to take a step of faith, so I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I don't wanna misstep, so I'm gonna wait. And I'm gonna stay right here. And I'm just gonna sit. And I'm just gonna wait on the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna wait on the Holy Spirit to shove me. Because I wanna guarantee. I wanna tell you something about faith. You are either going to move forward, or you're going to move backward, because there is no middle ground. Let me say that again, you're either gonna move forward or you're gonna move backward, but there is no limbo. There is no standing still. Let me explain. If God is challenging you and prompting your heart and telling you to take a step of faith, and you're sitting there saying, well, I think it might have been the cheeseburger I ate last night. I'm not really sure. So I'm just going to hang out for a little bit. You know what? The timing's not right. So for the next four months, we're just going to hold, I'll tell you what, it's better in the summer. So we're just going to wait a little while and we're just going to examine things and everything else. If that's you, you're not staying in the middle and you're not standing still. You're actually moving backward. Because faith is all about taking a step of faith every single day. And if you get stuck, life is moving ahead of you and you are falling behind. Henry Blackaby once wrote a book called Experiencing God. And he said this. He said that Christians ask the wrong question. We typically say, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for me tomorrow? And we ask that question. It's the wrong question. And what he says is the question we should be asking is, God, your will is everywhere. And so our question should be, God, today, where can I be a part of your will? Because your will is all around me. You see, the truth is, is that God is moving. And we can either choose to take a step of faith and move with him, or we can move backwards without him. That's our decision. Now, some of you are like, well, great, that's a pick me up Thanks a lot, Terry. That's, you know, discouraging me. I've been stuck for a while. I've been moving backward. Way to go, never coming back to this church. But let me offer some encouragement for a second, Okay because we don't think about this. If you've been a part of our church, I'm gonna pray right now, dear Lord, please let some of our people remember this. I'm gonna put myself on the spot. If you've been a part of our church for a while, our mission statement is four words. Do you remember those four words? It is, it starts with helping. Praise God, helping people follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's what we're here to do. Now, I want you to lean in for just a second. Okay, I'm sweating. All right, here we go. We look at that, yeah, helping, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Helping people follow, sure, 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 sure. Helping people do what? Follow Jesus. I want you to key in on those last two words. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus will never ask us to go somewhere that he's not willing to lead us to? Let me say that again. Jesus is never asking us to go somewhere that he will not lead us to. That's a bonus. It's not even in my notes. You get that. In other words, Jesus will walk the path ahead of us, and all we have to do is look at his footsteps. I love that, you know, you ever read a novel or a story, you ever like watch a movie, and they go, all right, you guys go into that dark, scary cave over there and search that out. I ain't going in that dark, scary cave. I'm going to die. I'm not going. Isn't it great to know that if God calls us to the dark, scary caves, God's going to be in there with us. He's going in there with us. Praise God for that. Jesus once said this, whoever serves me must what? Follow me. And so if we're at a place where we're stuck, here's the good news. Jesus is already walking ahead of us and all we have to do is follow him. And here's poor Sarah. Sarah is sitting there and she is having to go and she's leaving everything behind. And I'm just thankful that God had a plan and he does. We continue the story. We pick it up. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I'm gonna curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And Sarah's sitting and listening to this and saying, through who? Because remember, Sarah was barren, unable to have a child. In fact, in order to understand what Sarah is going through when she hears this, I want to point you to where her mind is. Take a look at what I think Sarah's thoughts were. How can this be possible, God? How will my husband be famous, God? I mean, I've lived with the man, are you kidding me? How can I be a blessing to others? I'm worthless. How can all families on earth be blessed through us? We aren't even a real family. Remember, at social gatherings, The ladies looked down at Sarah because she could not have a child. And now God is saying, you are going to be a beacon of light, Sarah. You and Abraham are going to be the father of all nations. Yeah, right. How many of you live in a situation where God is telling you something and you're looking into the eyes of your heavenly father and saying, you don't know what's going on in here in Myrtle Beach. It is not going to happen. It can never happen. God has a unique way of creating an amazing story. But Sarah is struggling we move forward. And I want you to see this because this is where it gets messy. By the way, those of you that are not Christians, lean in for a second online, watching at home, lean in. Pastors don't talk about this passage because it's really messy. You remember last week, those of you that were here last week, you remember the story we talked about? That was messy. This is messy. Because now here's Abraham, Sarah, perfect family, going to be the father of all nations. We sing songs, Father Abraham. We sing that, right? Yay, Abraham. No, 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 no. This is where it gets really messy because Abraham leaves. There's a famine. He's leaving. He's heading towards Egypt. And Abraham, righteous Abraham, heart after God, he's going to come up with a plan. And I want you to see what his plan is. Ready? Take a look at this. This comes from Genesis 12 10 through 13. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram, remember, Abraham, to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you're really beautiful. And all God's Christian ladies said, aw. When the Egyptians see you, though, they're going to say, this is that guy's wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they'll spare my life, and they'll treat me well because of their interest in you. And by the way, only for time's sake, Abraham gives Sarah to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And Sarah takes Pharaoh, takes, um, Pharaoh takes Sarah into her palace. And Abraham allows this to happen. We don't talk about this because it's messy, right? Well, Pharaoh has a plague and everything goes disastrous and he realizes this is not the case. And so he releases Sarah. But this is what ends up happening. And it gets really messy. And so as you can see, Sarah is sitting there. And I can imagine in her thoughts, guys, you can go to the next slide. I can imagine in her thoughts She is sitting there and she is frustrated because now she is treated like a piece of meat. Now we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 16, verse one through two. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Remember, she continues to struggle. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Pause. If you fell asleep, wake up. I want you to notice something. Sarah has gone from a joyful life at one point. I believe Sarah had a joyful heart. And all of a sudden, God says, you're gonna have children in pain and pain and pain. And I want you to notice, she's wondering, how could God do this? How could this happen? And do you notice the turn? You see, what was once doubtful to Sarah now has become punitive, Because now Sarah has turned and looked at God and said, the Lord has prevented me. It is God's fault. He did this to me. Some of us in the room go, wow, Sarah, how could you do that? How many times have we done that in our lives? How many times have something gone wrong in our lives and said, God, I don't understand. God, I thought I was going to get that job. God, how could you not allow this to happen? God, I came all the way out here. I mean, God, why would you lead me here only to have this happen? God, I don't understand. I'm not sure I can follow you anymore. I'm not happy with you. We do it all the time. And Sarah says, God's prevented me. And so now here's what I'm going to do. I'm losing my faith in him, and I'm going to take my faith into my own Hands. And she says, This, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. And so all of a sudden, Sarah makes a decision. And do you remember what I told you about faith? You're either moving forward or backward, but there's another another key to this. You're either moving forward by faith or you're moving backward toward bitterness. You're either moving forward by faith or backward by bitterness, and that's what happened to Sarah. Sarah said, I've had it with this God. He has made my life miserable, and now, you know what? I'm bitter, and I have a right to be bitter. And so, what ends up happening? We continue the story. So, Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so you deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And bitter Sarah comes to the forefront. Bitter Sarah, that most Christians, when they read the story of Abraham and Sarah, they remember Sarah and they remember that bitterness. But why is she bitter? She's bitter because this was her thoughts. You know, Abraham, you gave me to Pharaoh like a piece of property, you moved me out into the middle of nowhere. We have no future, we have no resources. When you die, I'm going to be abandoned. I am scoffed at by the rest of my family. I am damaged goods. You keep saying God's going to bless us with who? Then you joyfully agree to sleep with Hagar. You want to know why Sarah is bitter? That's why. And you know, as a pastor, as a human being, I can understand why. If you had to go through all that Sarah had to go through, you'd be bitter too. And you have a choice. You can either say, I have a right to be bitter, and you can live in that bitterness, and you can continue to move backwards. That's your choice. And that's the great thing about God. He gives you a choice. And you can choose to be able to grab onto that bitterness and stay bitter. And it feeds something within your soul. But maybe God is just doing something different. Maybe God actually does have a plan. And maybe, and sometimes, maybe, Our worst moments precede God's best moments. Maybe God is working on something. You know, there's a story that a grandfather tells, and he talks about two wolves. And it talks about this battle of bitterness and this battle of righteousness, joy, and laughter. And I think when we fall into that mode of just becoming bitter, we battle those two sides. Let me read it to you. It says, My son, the battle is between two wolves. One is evil, it is anger, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, dishonesty, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good it is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the grandfather replied, the one that you feed. Which wolf are you feeding today? Are you moving forward or are you moving backward? And for those of you that have enough faith left to say, Terry, I wanna take a step. Terry, I wanna believe God has a plan. I I wanna believe that I'm not just left behind like Sarah. And I want you to read the end of the story. Because only as God can do it, he not only knew about Abraham, and don't miss this, don't miss this. Christian, he not only knew Abraham's story and had a plan for Abraham's life, but he also, God has an amazing sense of humor, a joyful sense of humor, because God knew that Sarah was battling and God showed up for Sarah. And I want you to see how God shows up for losers. Take a look at this. The Lord kept his word in chapter 21. And he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time that God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. And eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. Sarah once had joy and laughter in her life, and it became a different laugh. Do you remember that laugh? (laughs) And then it became bitter because of the pain. But God has brought her laughter. And do you know the end of that story? Do you know the child that was born to Sarah? Do you know the child's name? Isaac, Isaac means one who laughs. God restored her joy, restored her laughter. No longer does she have to live life bitter, but instead she can have the joy of the Lord and celebrate all who God is. That's God's story for every loser in this room. That's God's story if you're stuck in the midst of bitterness, that today you can be restored of your laughter if you just choose to trust him. Because God loves a loser. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Sarah's story. And God, forgive us that we overlook the human emotions within these amazing people throughout biblical history. God, I thank you for the life of Sarah. I thank you, God, for how she sheds life on light on things that we struggle with today, whether it be infertility, whether it be trust, whether it be, Lord, just emptiness. So I pray for everyone in this room that is dealing with depression, dealing with mental health issues. God, I pray for those that are struggling to have a child, and I pray today would be the day that they find hope. And so God, today, I pray that you'd restore their laughter like you did Sarah's. God, we tell you today that we trust you. We believe on you. We want to move forward by faith. So God, help us each day to take that step to follow you where you've already gone. We tell you, we love you. That's in your precious name we pray, amen.